Hey, this is Robert Mitchell at High Tide in the Dreamtime. Um, and I am making a podcast. It's been a while. Glad to be back. My last one on difficult experiences had the fewest uh, listens to of many podcasts that I've done. And I thought about calling this one The Psychedelics of Sex because I thought it would get a lot of listens. And I still might, but I'm probably not going to. Uh, today's, and I started off with George Harrison, and the reason I did was because I once had a client who requested to listen to George Harrison while I was working with them, and I put it on, and I said, how's it going? And he said, it's great. It reminds me of times past and the times to come. And I thought that was a really magnificent thing to say. I thought it was really kind of timeless and uh, hopeful and inspired. And that's how I'm feeling today. Uh, I want to talk about some things that were based on my own experience. Some things that were based on uh, the work of a friend of mine who died a couple years ago. I may have mentioned him in this podcast before, and I had the good fortune of meeting him very soon before his death, maybe eight, nine months before his death. And the way that I met him was, his name was Arel Shalit. He was an Israeli Jungian analyst. And I'd read a bunch of his books, and they were really, really brilliant. Um, and... I went to see this guy at the Jung Institute who was talking. His name was James Hollis. He's a really big Jungian analyst. I think he is in Dallas. And it was a kind of thing where if you've ever been to the Jung Institute in L.A., and you probably haven't, when they have a meeting, there's probably 20 people there. When they have somebody come and speak, and they're usually like far out Jungian people, um, old hippies, and me. <laughs> But at this time, because he was such a popular writer, they had it at Marymount College. They had to move it because so many people wanted to go. And it was right after Trump had won the election. So that was like a pall over the evening. But when I was picking up my ticket, uh, when I was picking up my ticket to go in, next to me, this little, really incredibly handsome man was picking up his ticket, and he said, Dr. Arel Shalit. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I looked at him, and I'm telling you, I wouldn't have been more excited if Mick Jagger had been standing there picking up his ticket. And I turned to him, and I said, oh my God, Dr. Shalit, I am a huge fan of yours. And he looked at me a little bit frightened, and, he, and, he, and I said, and I'm not even a Jungian analyst. And he smiled and he said, even better. Well, he I had a really inspiring evening with him. I hung out with him for a lot of the night and we talked and we actually talked about the election and everybody was freaking out. And he was pretty sure, I think his family had left Europe to move to Israel, I think in the during the war, World War II. And he felt pretty sure that the democracy that was in place in America was going to contain Trump. 
that was I remember him talking about that. And he said his he wasn't as concerned about it as the other people there, who were all a bit of, like chicken littles. They were like like the sky was falling, um, and he said it would much more be like Berlusconi in Italy, and he wasn't as concerned about it. He had a lot of faith in the democracy of America. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today, even though it was spectacular. I got to hang out with him a couple times. We had lunch. He taught at the Pacifica Institute in Carpinteria, and I got to drive up there and have lunch with him, I think, on a couple of occasions. It was really, really special. But that, I'm feeling him today, I think partly because of what's happened post-election, but also, oh, and he died. He had cancer when I met him. He had a pretty virulent kind of cancer. And he went back to Tel Aviv and died, I think, within the year that I met him. But we had a lovely interaction. It was very profound. He has written a book that's worth reading. It's called Complex, Path of Transformation. And it's a Jungian story, but, you know, a lot of what I do is influenced by Jung, and it's, it's worth knowing about. And the premise of this book was that we are all composed of complexes and a complex is some kind of psychological emotional matrix of experience that that dominates our consciousness and in fact Jung thought that we were all made up of a matrices of conscious of of complexes and that your ego is probably uh, the dominant complex in play at any minute. But it could be replaced by other ones and it could be influenced by your unconscious. It could, it could be taken over by your unconscious. It could be healed by your unconscious. It could be transformed by your unconscious. But as I've said before, Jung didn't believe like there was any magic pill to do this. And I don't believe there's a magic pill either, not in my own work. Because all complexes are born of wounding. They're born of the self trying to protect itself during this lifetime. This eternal, profound, uh, timeless, ageless part of ourselves that, that, that finds itself in this lifetime, in this environment surrounded by people, parents, friends, uh, siblings, war, uh, Trump presidencies, uh, rock and roll and sex and the whole, you know, the whole thing, the whole disaster. Anyway, and I love, I love Jung's thinking in these matters and I loved what Aurel had said. And basically what I experienced this past week in my own experience that I'm not going to get too much into personal detail is that there are times when in certain experiences and certain profound states, we become aware of our complexes. And for some people, that could be a mother complex, a father complex, a, you know, a Jesus complex, an artist complex, whatever it is that is the dominating nucleus of our consciousness. And it has an intensity that is unavoidable but there is no ultimate reality in it it's a mirage it's 
uh, being hypnotized. It's being conditioned by your vulnerability and your vulnerability being traumatized because we are all these really incredibly vulnerable beings and we all have kinds of trauma even if our parents are wonderful people because sometimes you know we find ourselves in environments where people are pretending that things are perfect or they want things to appear a certain way or they're not noticing parts of ourselves that are really important to us and they're not relating to them and they're not being empathetic to who we really are or you know we can find ourselves in more kind of difficult situations where where the circumstances of our upbringing uh, are actually you know traumatizing you know because of you know it could be you live in a communist country and you know your freedoms are inhibited or your parents are traumatized in some way that they can't heal that they pass on or you are you know, sensitive in a way that people are not uh, acknowledging. And that can be devastating. And the emotions that constellate around that experience can completely color the lenses through which you experience life. You're feeling, you're sensing, you're thinking, your uh, expression can all be dominated by this complex. And so... The game or, or the, the, the work that Jung would think of or, or, or else Shalit would think of is that you have to kind of follow the complex home. You have to follow the breadcrumbs that you've left in your, in your uh, I don't want to overuse the word trauma, but in your discomfort, in this thing that comes over you. And you know when a complex overtakes you because you can't really control yourself. You can't really control how you feel. You can't really control what you're thinking about. You can't really control having any kind of object, ex objective experience on your moment. You just get overwhelmed by emotions. You get overwhelmed by feelings. It can be even feelings of dread. Or you get overwhelmed by responsibilities or the imposition of other people. And one of my favorite sayings is a quote of Sartre's. And it is, hell is other people. And so sometimes all our complexes usually get activated by other people. So when you have a really strong reaction to someone, whether you are just find them to be the most attractive, appealing person you've ever met who you completely admire, or you find them repulsive, you probably have a complex activated. And so when we experience somebody we despise, uh, somebody we hate, somebody who makes us furious you and we can't re, we can't go oh that's i'm getting furious but we just get furious or we get we feel lust towards somebody or admiration for somebody or obsessed with somebody or you know it's revolted by somebody you there's your mind complex getting activated and it's a huge huge uh clue about what complexes in play and we all have multiple complexes we all and you know i don't even want to use it as a pejorative word because it sounds like it is but it's not 
but it's really the tapestry of our waking consciousness. And we can also see our complexes in our dreams, you know, and recurring figures and feelings, feelings of dread, feelings of joy. Um, and what complexes do is they kind of trap us. They trap us in feelings of, of, of being ourselves, which can be really boring. And, you know, they oftentimes feel young, young, not young, but young. And what they do is they give us clues about where we're traumatized. And if you follow that back, you will find this whole sensitive, profound, perfect being that exists outside the limitations of this lifetime. But, and this is a big but, I really believe that complexes, whether they be mother complexes or father complexes or religious complexes or complexes of any kind, there's a co-creative aspect to them which to me really speaks to the purpose of life. Our complexes, the constellation of our complexes, really point to you know what the Buddhists would call our Dharma. Specifically, everybody's is different, but it's really the parts of yourself where there is misunderstanding and there is uh, not, there's no realization in these matters. And to me, the purpose of life is to achieve realization in these matters. So, you know, I can see this in work with psychedelics. I can see it in work with astrology. Um, they're what I call opportunities for transformation. You can see in each person, no matter how successful or unsuccessful they are, um, and successful people often have God complexes where they actually think that they are God and they're not wrong. They're just distorted. <laughs> uh, like, so Steve Jobs would be a person like that. And I think Elon Musk is as well. Um, you know, they're just people who think that, that whatever they do, there is some ultimate importance and value for everybody in. I think that's really what a God complex is and they don't question themselves much. Um, but even that's a distortion and usually um, that's going to cause its own kind of problems. But what I'm saying to every person who's listening to this podcast is the opportunity in the complex is that you can find your way home. You can find where that complex has been activated and know that it is actually something in your consciousness that can be changed, that actually isn't able to be transformed unless you transform it. And that is the purpose of your life. I know people say all the time, what is the meaning of life? What is the uh what is what is the reason behind everything and what i'm what i'm saying is that these transformational opportunities are it whether you're enjoying them whether you're struggling with them whether you're depressed by them whether you're uh enlivened by them 
when you find these complexes, you're finding the things that were beyond comprehension as you came into this life. And they're giving you an opportunity to develop comprehension. And I'm 100% sure of this. I'm 100% sure of this from the work that I've done with astrology and also from the work I've done uh, working with people with psychedelics that we are not victimized by these events. We are not victimized by these feelings. We create our environment through them. So I'm not victim blaming. What I'm saying is that when you come in contact with these, when you come in contact with these difficulties, with these uh, places in ourselves that we struggle, where we get overwhelmed, where we lose clarity, where we feel victimized by parts of ourselves, then um, that is the place which is often experienced as dread where you can find transformational opportunities. And most people run from these things. They, they get as far away from these things as they can, as quickly as they can. And so much suffering, so much mental disorder, so much addiction, so much depression is a desire to get away from these things, to not experience them, to experience them only as unpleasant, but it's like a root canal. There's something rotten that needs to be addressed, that needs to be let out. So in these moments, we can approach these things that otherwise are repugnant. And we can enter them. And we can release them and we can understand our misunderstanding as we come into this life and see this life as an opportunity to transform these misunderstandings into understanding. And I've seen it so many times in my work. The moment where these understandings are transformed or these misunderstandings are transformed, they are the breakthrough insights that people are looking for that are totally transformative in their understanding of themselves and the world that people live in. So I wanted to, without talking about this too much, and I think I won't call this a psychedelics of sex, even though I think that would get a lot of listens. Maybe I'll do another one on the psychedelics of sex, but I don't think I will. But this one, I like, I like what it was about. I think it can be really useful to anybody that listens to it. And I think that there's gold in people's complexes. And all they have to do is be willing to withstand them and endure them and investigate them. And at a certain point, you just run out of road. You go to the point where it all began and you see that the constellation of these experiences is you. It's not something that happened to you. It's something that was revealed as a misunderstanding in your comprehension of yourself. And as you develop a deeper understanding of your origins, 
complexes dissipate and disappear and the energy that is uh, tangled up in them is released everywhere in your life. All right. So this is High Tide in the Dream Time. I think we're at episode 39 or something. Uh, if you want to see more of my work, I have a website called www.goingquantum.org. And yeah, there's more information there. This was a blast. It's good to be back in touch with everybody. And I look forward to speaking with you soon. All right. Bye-bye. I got a name.